Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Um, there was a man, he was standing in a boat. The sound and the, and the, and the smell of the sea, it, it overwhelmed him. He had been spending all night fishing, fishing during the night, hoping that um, he, he could avoid the hot sun of the day, uh, hoping that maybe his chances would be better during the night. Fisherman was he, so he, he stood feeling discouraged. Uh, he glanced back and he, he saw his brother washing the nets. It, it seems like they're giving up for the night, and then all of a sudden he hears a voice, a voice calling his name from the shore. He looks up and he sees a man. The man is saying, Simon. As he looks at this man, he, he realizes he knows this man. This man, he had seen him speak just a few days before. This man had actually helped his mother-in-law as well. Uh, before he could say anything, the, the man on the shore, he's approaching Simon's boat. And as Simon looks beyond the man, he sees a large crowd following this man. The man climbs into Simon's boat and, and Simon doesn't say a word and the man just kind of turns around and he starts teaching the crowd from the boat. Simon just kind of steps back, has a seat and, and listens. And once the man is finished teaching, uh, the crowd goes away and he turns to Simon and he says, uh, let's take the boat out to deeper water. Let's cast out the nets. Simon says, we've been fishing all night long and we haven't caught anything. But because you said so, I, I will cast out the nets once more. Before he knew it, so they navigated to, to deeper water. Simon throws out the net and before he knew it, the, the, the net was pulling a great force. He was trying to pull it back in the boat, but he couldn't. He calls his brother over to help. So they're both trying to pull the nets back into the boat. They can't do it. So they're calling their friends over now from, from a nearby boat. So now all of them are, are pulling the nets up from the water. And as they get the nets up out of the water, fish just start spilling into both of the boats. So many fish that both of the boats actually start to sink. And now here Simon was staring at all these fish. No longer discouraged but feeling amazed, he goes and he throws in her. The man from the shore, he lifts some women up to his feet. And he says, don't be afraid. Follow me. Come with me. I, I will make you a fisher of men. And they made their way to the shore. And Simon left the boat. He, he looked back at the boat and he saw more fish than he'd ever seen. That many fish would make him so much money. But he didn't care. He turned back and um, he left everything. He left the boat. He left everything to follow this man along the shore. Suddenly, Simon awakes. He had been dreaming, dreaming of the day his life was changed, the, the day he left everything and everything he knew to follow that, that man on the shore. That had been three years ago. So much had changed in three years. And in that moment, Simon wiped tears away from his eyes. He, he looks around a dark room. He sees other people sleeping. They were hiding, uncertain of what was going to happen next. They were, they were all scared. 
sitting in the dark, Simon continues to think of all these memories from the past three years of, of his journey following this man. These years had been incredible. He had grown so close to this, this man, his teacher. He had left everything to follow on the shore that day. This man was more than his teacher. This man became his, his friend. And this man had given Simon a new name. He gave Simon the name Peter, which meant rock. But, but Peter received more than just a new name from this man. He received a purpose. He received a devotion to something bigger than himself. He received a belief that was unmeasurable. Peter believed that this man was important, maybe the most important man to ever live. Peter followed as this man did incredible things. Peter witnessed this man do incredible miracles. Peter watched as this man taught thousands of people. He watched as this man had love and compassion for the hurting and the lost. Peter thought that this man was going to change everything. At this point in the dark room, all these thoughts, all these feelings flooding into Peter's mind, he starts to feel scared. He starts to feel hopeless. As Peter, but there sitting in the dark, he, he closes his eyes and as tears stream down his face, he whispers into the dark, Jesus. And as he says his name, as he says the name Jesus, his heart sinks, his, his mind sinks. You, you see this man that Peter had been following, this man named Jesus, Peter believed that he was the Messiah, the, the one sent by God. Peter thought that this Jesus, this, this man was going to change everything, absolutely everything. And, and Peter sat there realizing that everything did change, but not the way he had thought it would. And because Peter's teacher, Peter's friend, this man that he left everything to follow, this man named Jesus, he was dead. And now all hope was lost. And Peter was hiding with the other disciples. They were, they were scared. They were uncertain of what was going to happen next or of what to do next. Peter's mind races back to a conversation he had with Jesus just the day before, just before Jesus was put to death. You will all turn away, Jesus told the disciples. It is written, I will strike the shepherd down, then the sheep will be scattered. But after I rise from the dead, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter said, all the others may turn away, but I will not. What I'm about to tell you is true, Jesus answered. It will happen today, in fact, tonight. Before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will say three times that you don't know me. But Peter, he would not give in. He said, I may have to die with you, but I will never say that I don't know you. And all the others said the same thing. And Peter sat remembering those words. He, he sat remembering what he had said to Jesus. I will never say that I don't know you. And those, those words just echoed in his brain. Tears flooded to his eyes. Again, anger began to rise up in him. Why didn't I just do what I said, Peter thought? Why did I betray him? Why, why didn't I stand by him? Peter had been so confident that he would be by Jesus' side no matter what. But once Jesus was arrested, all the disciples, they scattered. Peter followed as the, the high priest's servants led Jesus away with his hands bound they got Jesus to trial, Peter tried to get as close as he could without being noticed. Here's what the Bible says. Peter was below in the courtyard 
One of the high priest's female servants came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she, she looked closely at him. You also were with Jesus, that Nazarene, she said. Uh, but Peter said he had not been with him. I, I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said. He went out to the entrance to the courtyard. Uh, the servant saw him there. She said again to those standing around, this, this fellow is one of them. Again, he said he was not. After a little while, those standing nearby said to Peter, you must be one of them. You are from Galilee. Then Peter began to curse. He said to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Right away, the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered what Jesus had spoken, spoken to him. The, the rooster will crow twice, he had said. Before it does, you will say three times that you don't know me. Peter broke down and cried. After that moment, Peter fled. He went and he hid until he heard from the other disciples that, that Jesus had been killed. And now here he was, weeping in the dark, hiding, constantly returning to the realization that he had betrayed Jesus. Sorrow devoured Peter. If, if only he could go back. If only he could reach back and make a different decision. If only he could go back and get a second chance to make the right choice. If only he could see Jesus one more time and he could apologize. He could fall at Jesus' feet and, and beg for forgiveness. But would Jesus even accept his apology? But it didn't matter, Peter thought, because <laughs> Jesus was dead and now all hope was lost. Peter sat consumed by guilt, shame, and regret. And with every th thought, his mind began to sink. Like a stone tossed into the sea, Peter's mind began to sink into the depths. And this is what he deserved, he thought. He, he was a betrayer. He continued to sink into the depths, weighed down by shame, weighed down by guilt and regret. No hope, no way to make it right. This was rock bottom. He was no longer Peter, he thought. He messed that up. Back to who he was before he met Jesus. Back to Simon. Back to his life before he left everything to follow the man he thought would change everything, except now he had to live with his mistake, except now he had to live with his new title, betrayer, Simon, the betrayer. Now the Bible doesn't go into great detail about what Peter does after he betrayed Jesus, but I can imagine that's how he felt, right? I can imagine he, he was wishing he could go back to change the decision that he had made. I know that's how I would feel, how I would respond. In life, we mess up, right? We make decisions that often we know are wrong. And after doing so, our minds begin to sink like a stone. Sinking into the depths, there we rest, overwhelmed by memories of before, wishing we had made a different decision. If only we could reach back and make the right choice. Weighed down by shame and regret and guilt, we sink and, and we think this is what we deserve. We are the betrayer as we settle into the depths, as we sink. We sink to the very bottom and this is where we'll stay. Well, why would God want anything rock bottom? We, we broke his heart, right? Have you been there? Rock bottom, maybe the lowest point in your life because of decisions that you've made, choices that you've made, you find yourself in the depths. I know I've been there. 
<laughs> because we've made the wrong decision, because we've turned our back on God, but because of that, he turns his back on us, we think, right? So the depths, that's where we'll stay. That, that's where we belong. There's no way to go back. There's no way to take back the decision that we made. There's no hope for another chance. There's no rescue. We thought everything was going to change for the good, but then we became the If only there was something, if only there was someone with a strong hand that could lift us up from the depths, that could, that could grasp us tight and help us rise. When I was a sophomore in college, I, uh, that was the year I knew. I, so that year, as a sophomore in college, I wanted to start right away. Obviously, I knew I needed to finish college first. Um, so I decided that that summer, after my sophomore year, I was going to get a job for the summer, and I, it was going to be a job working with kids. And I thought it would be great. I could um, do something that I felt like God was calling me to do. I could do something that uh, he was going to be proud of me for, right? And, and besides that, I, it would be good experience, and uh, it would be good on my resume. So I decided that I, I'm going to work at a summer camp. So I, I started looking for all these different camps. I applied to all these different camps across the country. I didn't care where it was. Um, I get a bunch of callbacks. I get a bunch of interviews. Eventually, I, I get offered a position at a camp in Massachusetts. And so I take it. I'm like, heck yeah, let's do it. Um, it's about a 12-hour drive from where I live, but I didn't care. I, I was excited for the adventure. I was excited uh, to be doing something for God. Um, so I hopped in my car, I started headed towards Massachusetts, making the trek there, and the whole way there, I was full of joy, I was full of hope. Um, I was excited for the future, excited for what God was going to do that, that summer. I spent all my money getting to the camp, but I didn't care because I knew I was going to make money at the camp, so at the end of the summer, I'd have that money to get home. But I, I remember driving into the camp, a long drive. It's a huge camp, a huge, beautiful camp. I remember driving up the long drive, getting to the parking lot, parking the car, meeting uh, the camp director. He takes me around, gives me the tour. It's, it's beginning uh, to get late, so we have dinner in the cafeteria. He takes me to the cabin where I'd be staying for the whole summer. He leaves me there to get settled in and to, to sleep. Immediately, when I, I lay out my sleeping bag on the bunk, I sit on the bunk, and I think, I've made a huge mistake. I don't want to be here. I started feeling anxious. I started feeling like, this is so far out of my comfort zone. I, I can't believe I have to be here all summer long. As I thought all of those things, I, I started to be filled with fear. I can't do this. As I was full of fear, I, I started to wrestle with the idea, oh, why don't I just leave? I don't have to stay. No, no one's saying that I have to be here. I can leave if I want. Um, but deep inside, I knew, I knew that God wanted me to stay, that, that God had a plan for me there that summer. And I, I thought, okay, it's super late. I've, I've had a long day of driving. I'm going to go to sleep. I'll wake up tomorrow. I'm going to feel better, and everything will be good. Uh, so I go to sleep, wake up the next day, still feel the same. Still feel like, I just want to leave. I just want to get out of there. Uh, so I go to breakfast. I'm eating breakfast, and once I'm done, 
Um, I'm still wrestling with the idea of what to do. And, and they asked me, would I escort this kid to the recreation center? I said, yeah. So I'm walking along with this kid. Um, we're walking in silence because I'm deep in thought. I, I don't even feel like talking. And as we're walking, this kid ends up breaking the silence. He says, you know what? I don't think people should quit things. I'm like, what the heck? He's like, yeah, yeah, if you say you're going to do something, you should do it. You shouldn't quit. Um, my mind is just blown. I'm thinking, what is this kid talking about? Is he reading my mind? Is God speaking to me through this kid? What is happening right now? And he just keeps going on and on and on about why you shouldn't quit things, why, why it's bad to not do something you say you're supposed to do. Eventually, I, get, I don't want to hear it, right? I just say, well, why don't you just shut up? Not my proudest moment. <laughs> he looks at me offended. Um, but I didn't want to hear it. I knew what I wanted, right? I knew the choice that I wanted to make. And I didn't want anyone trying to convince me otherwise. And that was kind of the last straw. After that, I continued to escort him to the recreation center. I dropped him off. I went to the cabin. I grabbed my stuff. I got in my car. And I left. And I still remember vividly driving down that drive away from the camp, looking in my rearview mirror, seeing the camp choice, but I didn't care. I just kept driving. Quickly, I realized I didn't have any money. Um, so I had to call my dad, and I had to explain to him uh, the choice that I had made, what was going on. And back then, some of you probably remember, but we didn't have PayPal. We didn't have Venmo. We didn't have Cash App. We had Western Union, right? So he transferred me some money through, through a Western Union, and I remember sitting outside that Western Union, staring at the neon signs in the window, just kind of zoned out, already starting to feel regret, already starting to feel shame. I glance at my passenger seat in my car, and I see my Bible. Immediately when I look at my Bible, a wave of guilt just crashes against me. I, I grab the Bible, I open the glove box, I shove the Bible in, and I slam the glove box shut. I go into the Western Union, I get the money, and I leave. I start heading home. As I made my way home, I felt like God was back in the camp. The farther I got away from the camp, I, I felt like the farther I was getting away from God. God didn't want anything to do with me. I, I made the wrong choice. And there he would stay in the camp as I went off now to do my life without him. He wants nothing to do with a betrayer like me. In my aching brain full of shame and regret, I felt like God was no longer proud of me. He stayed in the camp while I drove away. Once I got home, it was super late. Um, I, I sat for a while in my parents' driveway staring at the back door, just not even muster up the courage to go inside. I, I didn't want to go upstairs. Uh, my parents were sleeping upstairs. So I just went and I laid on the couch. I was going to sleep down there. I closed my eyes and I, I could not escape the, the image of me leaving the camp, of, of seeing the camp in my rearview mirror. Staring at the ceiling, my mind began to stay. That's what I deserved, right? Jake the betrayer. All my excitement, all my joy, all my hope for the future, it, it was gone. What's in store for a betrayer like me? God has no plan for me. I broke his heart. And so the next day I left. I, I got up. I, I left. I, I started heading down south to the college town that I um, 
where I went to college in, and I had a buddy there who was staying in that town for the summer. I call him, hey, can I sleep on your couch? Yeah. Like, okay. So I was headed that way to sleep on that couch for the rest of the summer and hopefully to find a job. But I was devoured by sorrow. I was devoured by guilt. I felt like I was never going to get out of the depths after the decision that I had made. Peter, he sat staring at, a, at the flames of a, of a small campfire. He and a few of the disciples were no longer hiding in that room. They had gone back to Galilee. He, he was back on the shore, the sounds and the smells all too familiar. This was the place it had all began. This was the Sea of Galilee where he left everything to follow Jesus. And he was back there again. He glanced towards the water to see the sun setting in the distance, still overwhelmed by guilt, his mind still resting in the depths. Simon the betrayer, back to fishing for fish, no longer a fisher of men. As he stared at the water, he was lost in thought about another memory with Jesus, another memory that happened right there on that lake. As he stared at the lake, he, he thought of a time where Jesus had told him and the disciples to, to go ahead and head to the other side of the lake, that he was going to stay on the shore and he would meet up with them later. So Peter and the disciples, they get in the boat and they start heading across the lake. But the wind was strong. The wind was blowing against them. They were struggling to get to the other side. Eventually, they, they see a figure walking towards them on the water. At first, they think, ghost until they hear, hear the voice of Jesus saying, don't be afraid, it's me. Peter, he calls out to Jesus, Lord, is it you? Peter asked. If it is, tell me uh, to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. So Peter got out of the boat. He walked on the water towards Jesus. So here's Peter, he's stepping out of the boat. He's walking on the water step by step towards Jesus. His eyes are fixed on Jesus. Nothing else in his mind, nothing else in sight. But then, all of a sudden, he starts to notice the rain on his face. He starts to feel the wind against him. He starts to notice the waves crashing against him. And as he notices all that stuff, he starts to be filled with water until eventually he reaches out to Jesus and he says, Jesus, Lord, save me. And right away, Jesus reaches for him and he grabs his hand, lifts him up. And he says, you little faith, why did you doubt me? Thinking of that memory, as he stares at the water, his mind resting in the depths, I'm sure Peter longed for Jesus to save him again, to reach out his hand and lift him up from the depths, but it was too late. The sun had gone down at this point, so Peter, he, he decides he's going to go fishing. He lets the other disciples know he's going to head out, and they say, well, we'll go with you. So they go out to deeper water. Um, to fish for the night. They had no luck catching fish that night. Once again, Peter finds himself staring at an empty net. It matched the emptiness he felt inside. His, his mind resting in the depths. He couldn't help but dwell on the thought of a second chance. If only he could reach back. If only he could make a different decision. If only he could get that second chance. Once again, thinking about the day Jesus asked him to leave everything and to follow him, Peter thought that he would do it again with no hesitation. He, he would follow again, even knowing everything he knows now, he would still follow. Suddenly, a voice calls out to them from the shore. Friends, don't you have any fish? The voice called out. The disciples answered back, no. 
The man on the shore calls out again, throw your net on the right side of the boat. There you will find some fish. The disciples, yeah, okay, we'll try it. They throw their, their nets on the right side of the boat and immediately the nets pull. Immediately they feel the great weight and they, they can't pull the nets back in. And si- or Peter, he stands there thinking that there's something familiar about this. There's something familiar about that man's Voice, here's what the Bible says. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Simon Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Peter heard that, the disciples followed in the boat. They were towing the net full of fish. The shore was only about a hundred yards away. When they, they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals. There were fish on it. There was also some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have caught. So Simon Peter, he climbed back into the boat. He dragged the net to the shore. It was full of large fish. There were 153 of them. But even with that many fish, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. He did the same thing with the fish. Even then, a resurrected Jesus was a servant to the disciples. So the disciples, they sit and they eat with Jesus. I imagine their, their minds just racing. Jesus was back from the dead. His mind still resting in the depths, still feeling shame, still feeling guilt for having betrayed Jesus. And Peter stares at the coals of the fire with, with tears in his eyes. He dared to not even look Jesus in the eyes, thinking that Jesus wanted nothing to do with them. Nothing to do with a betrayer like him. Uh, In the depths is where he'd stay, even in the presence of Jesus. But once they had finished eating, Jesus begins to talk with Peter. You can imagine Peter's apprehension. You can imagine his his fear. Is he going to yell at me? Is he going to scold me? Is is he going to humiliate me and call me out in front of everyone? Jesus asks Peter a question. When Jesus and the disciples had finished eating, eating, Jesus spoke to Simon Peter. He asked, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these others do? Yes, Lord, he answered. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus asked, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Jesus spoke to him a third time. He asked, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt bad because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He answered, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Three times Peter had denied Jesus. And now three times Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? Each time Peter replied, yes, I love you, Jesus gave Peter a command, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. Now Jesus, he wasn't talking about animals. By Jesus giving Peter these commands, he was calling Peter to be a shepherd. He he was telling Peter, your time as a fisher of men, it is not through. He was telling Peter, if you love me, you can live out that love by loving others and helping others. Doing this in front of the other disciples, it was a way of restoring Peter. Three times in public, Peter betrayed Jesus. Now, in front of everyone, three times, Peter proclaims his love and devotion for Jesus. Jesus didn't ask Peter, are you sorry? 
Are you going to promise never to do it again? Jesus simply challenged Peter to love. Not to just love him, but to love others as well. Jesus was saying, just because you made a mistake, all hope is not lost. If you still love me, there is always hope. Show your love for me by loving others. And the last thing Jesus says to him in this conversation is this. Then Jesus said to him, follow me. Follow me. With those two words, Peter knew there was hope. Though he had betrayed Jesus, he had sunk into the depths, allowing shame and guilt and regret to weigh him down and to take over. Jesus still wanted Peter. Jesus still loved him and still had plans for him to do great things. Jesus proclaimed, if you love me, keep going, keep working. Don't worry about messing up. Feed my sheep. Lead my children. Love others the way that I love you. In this moment, Peter was reminded of that day his life had changed. The day he left everything to follow Jesus. And here he was again. Jesus asking him to leave everything and to follow him. Except this time, everything that he is supposed to leave is the shame, the regret, and the guilt. And with that, once again, Peter feels Jesus' hand plunge into the water and grasp his hand as he, he pulls him up out of the depths to the surface. Jesus was saying, let it go. If you love me, follow me. Why did you doubt me? Peter, once again, a rock. Not one that sinks, but, but one that stands firm on solid ground. Like I had said, I had gone down to the, the town where I attended college, sleeping on my buddy's couch. I had gotten two jobs. I got a, a job that I would work at night at um, a buffet-style restaurant called Bonanza. You guys ever hear of Bonanza? I hated it. I hated every minute of it. I was working long hours every single day, but I felt like it's what I deserved. I felt like this is what you deserve. This is what you get. You made the wrong choice. Each night as I drifted off to sleep on the clunky couch, I would wish that I could, I could reach back. I, I would wish that I could reach back and make a different decision. If only I could get a second chance to make the right choice. I had been so hopeful, so full of joy. But now as my mind rested in the depths, there was no hope. There was no joy. I felt like I would work these jobs that I hated the rest of my life. I felt like I screwed up my chance to do anything good for God. I felt like he wanted nothing to do with me. This was my rock bottom. This was my lowest point. Because of the decision I made, because I chose to betray, I'd be stuck in the depths. I remember I was closing at the restaurant. It was super late. So I was leaving the restaurant. I, I headed to my car. I got into my car. Um, I went to start the car. It doesn't start. Try to start again. It doesn't start. I remember punching the steering wheel. I remember screaming at the dashboard, is anything ever going to go my way? I start to look around the car. Back then, if you remember Western Union, you might remember this. But back then, we wrote people's phone numbers on pieces of paper. <laughs> and, we had, and I had like a, a piece of paper with everyone's phone numbers on it. So I was looking around my car, looking for that piece of paper, hoping that there would be someone I could call to come and get me. As I'm looking for the piece of paper, I, I open the glove box, not thinking it. And what do I find? My Bible. I had shoved in there the day I left camp. Immediately when I see the Bible, I start 
to God. I said, what, what, am, what am I supposed to do? Tell me, what, what do I have to do to make it right? What do I have to do to get you back into my life? And as I sat there and prayed, I, I decided I'd read the Bible. I didn't know what to read. I was crying out to God, asking him to speak to me, tell me what to do. I held up the Bible. I closed my eyes. I opened the Bible, and I pointed. And here's what God gave me that night. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our, our Lord. As I read those words, I could feel the hand of Jesus lifting me up from the depths. As I read those words, I knew in my heart that God was with me, that he had never left, as if he was saying, Jake, do you love me? Because I love you. Nothing could ever change that. Neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons, neither height nor depth. No amount of depth, no amount of shame, no amount of regret, no amount of guilt could ever change that. I couldn't find anyone to pick me up that night, but I didn't care. I remember walking home with my Bible in my hand. And as the summer wind met my tear-soaked face that night, I remember for the first time in a month, feeling hope, feeling joy, feeling excited about the future, feel, feeling excited for a second chance, feeling excited to follow Jesus. But why did I wait so long? Uh, but we often do, right? We, we settle into the depths after making a bad decision, weighed down by guilt and regret, constantly obsessing over memories, constantly punishing ourselves, constantly looking back at that bad choice, right? Constantly looking back at that bad chance to make the right choice, everything would be different, if only. But instead of obsessing on the past, we should be focused on the present, right? We, we should be focused on the future. Instead of trying to reach back into the past, we should be reaching towards Jesus in the present. As we feel ourselves sinking into the depths, we reach out to Jesus and we say, Lord, save me right away. He plunges his hand into the water and he grasps us tight, pulling us towards the surface, pulling us towards him, pulling us towards safety, pulling us towards mercy, pulling us towards grace, pulling us towards a second chance. And there's nothing for us back in the past, right? It's over, it's done, we can't change it, so why dwell on it? Why allow it to affect us today? Only Jesus can provide the second chance that we're looking for. That second chance is not in the past. That second chance is now. It is today. It is every day moving forward. As Jesus helps us rise up from the depths, he's asking us, do you love me? My friends, if you love Jesus, there is always hope. Jesus is saying, if you, if you love me, follow me. What does following Jesus look like? As we follow Jesus, he's not leading us back. He's leading us forward, right? Following Jesus doesn't mean looking backwards. It means looking forward. It means moving forward. Not staying in one spot, not resting in the depths. Each time Peter was called to follow, he left everything and did so. 
He did not look back. And we can't look back either. We were not created to rest in the depths. We were created to rise and shine in the glory of God. But it's our choice. That's why Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Are you ready to move on? Are you ready to let go of the guilt and the regret? It's your choice. If you're ready, follow me. Peter could not accomplish God's plans for his life had he remained in the depths. He had to rise and choose to follow. I would not be where I am today had I remained in the depths. I had to rise and choose to follow. God had plans for Peter. God had plans for me. God has plans. The depths that could not hold him, God had other plans. By the power of God, he rose again. By the power of God, we can rise again. We can rise and we can follow him out of the depths and into his hands. But let's be honest, it takes effort, right? Just because we make the choice to follow does not mean things won't be hard. It takes effort. It takes spending time each day in prayer. It takes reading God's word each day. It takes coming to church each week. It takes trusting him no matter what. Even when it feels like you're starting to sink, as you hear his voice calling your name, as he beckons you to come out on the water, we must fix our eyes on Jesus because we know that the the waves are going to come. We know that the wind is going to blow against us. We know that unexpected situations are going to surprise us. Don't doubt. Trust Jesus. We know that anxiety and stress will overwhelm us. Don't doubt. Find your peace in Jesus. We know that bad decisions will haunt us. Don't doubt. Do you still love Jesus? Follow him. Take care of his sheep. With our eyes fixed on Jesus, there is hope. No matter what storm may come our way, he will not let us sink, but we must reach for him. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.